When you're up there in that puppet, even the slightest breeze, you feel very strongly. So all of these things are being factored in, which I think makes for a really, really exciting, beautiful uh, project. But there's a whole nother um, stream, a whole nother parallel stream that, that is running alongside the movement of this puppet through Europe that is about uh, giving back uh, and leaving something behind. Hello, Theatre Art Life podcast listeners. Today we're sharing with you the audio from our one-on-one interview series. We hope that you enjoy listening. Some of our discussion has references to pictures shown in our webinar. So if you want to see these pictures, you can always head over to the Theatre Art Life YouTube channel and watch the replay. Enjoy. Hello, Craig. Thank you for joining us at Theatre Art Life for a quick chat about your current project. It's a pleasure. Lovely to be here. For everyone who doesn't know Craig Leo, he is a puppeteer for Handspring Puppets. Is that your official role or title? What would you call yourself, Craig? I'm, I'm a puppeteer. I'm also the, one of the associate directors of puppetry for the company. So that, it covers a little bit of everything, really. And how long have you worked with Handspring? Gosh, that's a good question. It must be uh, going on 16 years now. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. I wanted to talk to you today particularly about your Little Amal project. Craig, how did you get involved with the Little Amal Walk and what's your role on it uh, in terms of a director and puppeteer? I got involved partly because of my association with Handspring, but um, I also have been a stilt walker for a very long time. And the the, um, combination of puppetry and stilt walking um, went really well together. I previously did a production with Handspring called Tall Horse, which involved a, a very large life-size giraffe. And it was a similar situation where puppeteers were on stilts, but then also having to deal with a very tall structure. And I think just the experience that I have with that meant that I could test the idea initially, this idea of like a three-and-a-half-metre-high puppet operated by somebody on stilts they just weren't sure if it was possible. And then Basil and Adrian called me from Handspring. They said, do you think we could do this? I said, absolutely, we can do this. I don't think it will be a problem at all. And there she is, walking. So, And so there's one person inside and then a couple Correct. of people around. Like, how many people does it take to operate the puppet? Depending on conditions, if the the road and the path is smooth and the wind is not blowing or howling, uh, three people will operate her. There's the option for a fourth person. There's a, a support rod at the back that goes from the centre between her shoulder blades down to the floor, which is a stability mechanism in case we, we deal with very strong winds. Because, uh, you know, when you're up there in that puppet, even the slightest breeze, you feel very strongly. Mm. So, um, it, yeah, so in, you know, four people max, three people minimum. Yeah. That's amazing. And you, I saw in one part of the video, she's got control over her eyes. Like what, what, what control of, of the puppet is, is uh, controllable from within inside. So it's the eyes. Is there anything else? Okay. Yes. So um, what you have is you have the two arm puppeteers on the outside. Then the stilt walker has to not only negotiate the stilt walking and the weight and the balance of the puppet, but inside of that body, 
you've got two controls. Well, we call it a harp. It's like playing a harp. So in front of you, you've got two controls. And on those controls, if you pull up and down, it takes the head left and right. You have another little control that takes it up and down. So the head can do this kind of action. We have another little control that is specifically for the mouth, which will just, it can lift, uh, lift the top a lip and then drop the jaw. So she can have a little smile or she can, she can have a fright. And then, the, <laughs> and then the eyes are on one of the controls. It's a tiny little button. It's the only bit of tech, really high tech on the puppet, uh, electronic little button that is relayed to a computer tiny little computer that then controls the eye movement. And that has uh, very cleverly been um, powered by a very simple, almost like your cell phone charger that you get now, these portable cell phone chargers. So it's plugged into a battery, tiny little mm -hmm. battery that sits at the back. So there's quite a lot going on in there. You know, this, this you will stop thinking about eventually because you'll know exactly what you're doing. You know where things are. And it just becomes a secondary um, action. Yeah, yeah. And so she's got a longer walk ahead of her. So I'm sure it's just not you that's going to be walking the puppet. Uh, how big are the teams that are going to walk the puppet across <laughs> uh, across the continents? So we have a, uh, a group of 10 people that will manipulate her in addition to, obviously, the, the support team, the production team, the logistics people. But it's three teams of three with an extra person who's on the outside to assist with the direction, the puppetry mm -hmm. direction. And those teams will relay. So at the moment, we're looking at possibly each team being in the puppet for about 40 minutes for mm -hmm. big events. Walking is a different situation depending on the, on the terrain. And I'm absolutely convinced that we'll be able to push that length of time up as people get um, stronger and fitter. Mm. And do they rotate their roles or is like they're only three stilt walkers? Or <laughs> So at the moment, what's really fun and quite bizarre is I am doing, I'm in Cape Town, but I'm doing stilt classes online with some of wow. the um, puppeteers who will be joining us. So we have in uh, Paris, we have a young gentleman called Moyad who is has a refugee background he's living in paris and with lockdown and everything he's he's we've sent him his stilts he's got them on and he's in his room and we're doing exercises and kind <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> he's running we have another lo lovely lady in jaffa called uh fida mm -hmm. and she's also been learning the other stilt walkers that are puppeteer stilt walkers we've we've managed to work with them pre-COVID, so we, I already got them up and running with their walking and they go shopping and some of them go walking in in parks and stuff. I've got hysterical photographs of friends of mine who've just, um, it was part of the cast, who have literally gone to Tesco's on their stilts. They're just doing everything on them just to get <laughs> really, really proficient. So there's been some really funny moments. But, yes, everyone theoretically should be able to be inside the puppets as well. And I guess there's there's one part of it that is the technical capability of doing that, but embodying a puppet is a lot more than just the technical capability. How do you, especially maybe in this time, uh, train the the soft the softness of, of becoming a, a refugee girl as a puppet? 
That's a very good question. We haven't actually got there yet. And I think it's something that we will discover along the way. We're working with an extraordinary um, director called uh, Nizar Zouabi. And we are, we know, we're going to discover what her character is. We need to learn all of that stuff. So when we go into rehearsals, we will discover more about who she really is. Mm. Um, what we do know is that Good Chance have been incredible in that they're working with a child psychologist who has been looking at the route that a little girl would make from Syria and the journey and where, when is she afraid, when is she tired, when does she just, you know, a little nine-year-old girl, when does she just put her foot down and go, I'm not doing this anymore? You know, so mm. there's a whole character development that will will be in, will inform us um, and I think for the to start off, what we need to get um, out of the way is the technical thing, so that we can start becoming the character of the little girl. Of course, as she moves through different countries, there are different um, circumstances and environments, and because she is represented and she is being portrayed as a, a real live little girl, she will need to respond to the, the various um, circumstances as they come up. So even things like COVID, like traveling through countries, people ask, well, what happens if you cancel a gig? Well, a little girl walking through Europe will have to make a plan if she can't cross the border and she might have to go another route. So all of these things are being factored in, which I think makes for a really, really exciting, beautiful uh, project. I love that. It is one big, huge artistic journey that evolves as it goes along. Yeah, I think that the trickiest thing for the puppeteers at the moment, it's also partly technical, but particularly the person inside who is operating all of her facial expressions, they can't see the face. They don't have a little video camera in there that shows her shows them what she's doing with her features. So part of the um the real challenge for the stilt walker puppeteer inside is knowing at all times what her face is doing, um, mm. understanding and being able to imagine what is happening at the top and what you're doing with your controls is actually being read as as, as the correct um, emotional state or expression that you're trying to portray and get across. That's going to be <laughs> quite interesting to to uh, get right, I think. Yeah, wow. And are you going to be one of the people walking or are you going to hand I, that to I'm, somebody? I am going to do some of the journey with them. As puppetry director, I, I theoretically shouldn't be in her. I should be outside watching as much as <laughs> I'd love to. Mm -hmm. I'd love to be in her all the way. You yeah. have to fight me to get me out of there. <laughs> but um, I'll just, I'll be joining. I'll do the full rehearsal process and then I will walk through Turkey and through Greece. And then I will let go, probably with them huge tears in my eyes as they continue their journey. And then I will rejoin them in Manchester. It's like a gift. Uh, to me, it's a gift. I think that the entire, you know, what it says is phenomenal as a piece of public art, um, mm -hmm. bringing focus not only to humanity, but also to the plight of young refugee children all over the world. And the fact that communities, the response from communities, you know, in these little towns that we go to have, have, has been extraordinary. They've come up with all kinds of wonderful, inventive, creative ways to welcome little Amal into their towns and into their homes and into their communities. 
She'll be visiting refugee camps along the way. There'll be workshops. There'll be, you know, she will also leave a certain a legacy behind her, uh, something that uh, there's a whole nother um, stream, a whole nother parallel stream that that is running alongside the movement of this puppet through Europe that is about uh, giving back uh, and leaving something behind. Mm. So that's, I mean, that's a whole other department, which I'm not that privy to all the information, but I know it's going on. Um, and, and that is very special too. Yeah, and I think just also on the back end of us all still dealing with a global pandemic, it's just a, a, a wonderful thing to look forward to, I guess, and and, uh, and and the fact that we're all in this humanity together, you know, and that this mission and this is a big uh, journey to demonstrate that, that we're all connected, and I think that's beautiful. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think it's also um, this whole uh, kind of, you know, with theatres closing again and people going back into lockdown in Europe, I think what's great about this project is that it as we know so far it can continue it can go ahead because it's it's firstly free it's a public space it's outdoors it's easy to manage uh, in terms of keep, keeping people people can social distance we don't have people crammed into theaters luckily it feels like there will be a great big beautiful piece of public art that won't get cancelled yes <laughs> hopefully and will continue no matter what and I'm I'm very very excited to um, and very proud to be a part of it. Yes. Well, thank you so much for uh, giving us an insider look to Little Amal's journey, and I'm sure the world will be watching you uh, come April when uh, you start this journey across across yeah. to uh, the UK. So <laughs> good luck good luck for the project. Thank you so much. Please write a review on our podcast whenever you listen to our podcast and let your friends know about us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Life by visiting our website at www.theatreartlife.com. And you can follow us on social media and leave your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter or YouTube. We really want to thank David Zaya for composing the music for our podcast and Michelle Sharotta, who is our sound engineer. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life podcast, where we put the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around.